Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Rock Podcast. And I am here once again with Joey Haney down in Texas. How are you, Joey? I'm doing good. It's rainy today, so uh, but I'm ready to talk some rock. Are you off from work today, or are you just off this morning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm off today, so it's going to be good. I got two days off here. My birthday's tomorrow, so uh, oh, nice. yeah, it's looking Happy good. Ah, thanks. Hitting the big four zero. Yes, yes. And now, did you you saw Kiss, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw him a couple of weeks ago. How was that? Saw Dee Snider the week after that. How was Kiss? Kiss, Kiss was fun. Uh, yeah, and I, I uh, you know, at at this point, because I knew that the the set list was going to be you know decently pedestrian or kind of similar to what we've had the last few tours, but it was good to get a couple of extra songs. And songs that I didn't realize that I would miss once they were out of the set list, they brought back like a uh, spoiler uh, that, you know, they haven't played heavens on fire in seemingly like at least a decade or so, right? Uh, at least on tour. And then, uh, you know, I was amazed at how much I enjoyed Beth, like, because they haven't played that on tour in over 10 years also. And that was probably one of my favorite parts of the show. So really, that's cool. Uh, now, did they play yeah, Doc, calling Doctor Love? Well, they, no, no, okay, they did not. Because I thought I saw. Yeah. It's weird. I thought you know I'd been studying the set list and it seemed like it was pretty much the same every night. And then I saw a clip somebody posted of of calling Doctor Love, and I was thinking uh, they added that to the set list, or maybe it was from an old tour. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, it's probably I would guess old tour, but I'm not following the set list every night, so I. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it would definitely be behooven to them to add it because once I w- saw the show, about the next day I realized, wait a second, there's not one song from Rock and Roll Over represented in the set list. Like, how could you do that? That's a big right, record for right, them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, of course, I wanted Ladies' Room, but you know that—that's me. So, right, <laughs> right, right. Um, so, by the way, just a little spoiler alert: we got a big interview coming up on my Talking Metal podcast. I hope it hasn't happened yes yet, but uh, yesterday my cell phone uh, rings, and I and I, I'm looking at it, and it's a number I don't I don't recognize, and it's a caller ID Malibu, California. So I was like, huh, maybe I'll pick this up, and and I pick it up, and sure. the voice on the other end of the line says, "Hey, Mark, uh, this is Mick," and I was like, I was like, oh, hi, uh, Mick, Mick who? And he's like, Mick Mars. <laughs> so, so um, <laughs> yeah, so Mick Mars called my cell phone yesterday, and we had maybe a literally what? probably five six minute conversation. Um, so he may be, he's scheduled. We'll see if it actually ends up taking place, uh, to call into my, uh, my talking metal podcast tomorrow for a special interview. Um, so I'm hoping that happens because we had a, a very brief conversation with Vince Neal, like, like, like probably like 600 episodes ago that was literally about 60 yeah. seconds, but, um, this would potentially be red a real carpet, interview. I remember that. Yeah, a red carpet interview. Yeah. So so we're going to we're going to see uh we're going to see if this happens. It's scheduled for tomorrow, fingers crossed, but I I would love to talk with Mick and apparently even though his cell phone that he called me from uh had the ID of Malibu, California, he told me he's now in Nashville. So and and I don't know if he was Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah, so he was in the studio there. Yeah. So uh, and I guess he lives there too from what it sounds like or at least has a place there. 
yeah, I guess he's been recording his solo album for the last few years out there. Like it's a long time coming for that one, but uh, I can't let this go. The Vince Neil thing you spoke of, probably my favorite talking metal ID, <laughs> where he just leans to the mic and goes, "Fucking a." <laughs> oh yeah, I think he's like, "Hey, hey, hey this is Vince Neil of Motley Crue." <laughs> I don't even know if he says Motley Crue. He's like, "Hey, hey this is Vince Neil." You're yeah. listening to Talking yeah. Metal. Fucking it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways. Dude, the, the second time I met him, the second time I met him, his eyes weren't even open. Like, you know, that kind of where it's like. Really? Wow. You can't even keep your eyes open. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I could spend a, a, a whole six episodes sharing Vince Neil stories, but we, we won't do that today because sure. let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Um, it's uh, in the news a lot lately from, you know, just music news in general, I would say it's one of the biggest stories of the year so far. Uh, Michael Jackson, who passed away in 2009, is very much in the headlines these uh, these last few weeks. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just get into it. What are your thoughts? Have you seen Leaving Neverland? Uh, how are you feeling about Michael Jackson at this point in time, Joey? Well, Mark, I've I've seen at least half of it so far, and that's kind of intentional. You know, I I just I I had the option of doing the whole thing all at once, but it's it's rough, man. It's a so I it's I long on too. It's like four hours, you know. So it's it's yeah. long four four hours of uh, details of child molestation is not my idea of a fun night. Yeah, and and uh, and and what's the word like like graphic details i mean it, it's it's tough it's a tough watch yeah. yeah and so the first half i've seen basically concentrates on the kid from california i think Simi valley if i'm not mistaken and he you know i guess people have access to these things but you know so that would be my one thing to be like well maybe he's making this up and he's not telling the truth but like he, he had pretty good detail on like you know quote secret rooms and uh, you know all throughout that that you know the ranch and they show the, these photos of the, <laughs> these things and he talks about details and yeah this particular thing happened there this particular thing happened there and after a while it just seemed like he was going through a laundry list and it's just like i don't know i mean it just really it i almost got numb to it it was just oh man so because i mean yeah, I mean, it's hard to really just go into that much detail about what he went into without just just being terrible and horrible. I mean, I'm sure people, most people have access to this thing. Not everybody gets HBO. I get it. I, I watched it on the app, the HBO Go app. But yeah, it's just, it's stuff you've heard about for the last 25 years. But having it laid out like that, because I've never seen the FBI files, you know, so having a uh, having listened to the detail, it definitely hits a lot harder. It's more emotional for sure, obviously. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because it brings so many thoughts and, and memories and stuff. You know, back when all this stuff started breaking for the first time in the, in the, I guess it would have been the 90s, I was working at VH1 at the time, and there was this big push by Sony to to just 
you know, make Michael play his music all the time and make and make Michael great, you know, uh, make, make Michael great again, you know. So, I mean, it really was. And, and, <laughs> and then I got I got stuck on this show, which I, I, I was happy to work on, but it was a very weird time. But the show was uh, an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson where he talks to the fans. So my boss flew to Thailand where Michael Jackson was was staying and Michael Jack and Michael Jackson made him wait around for like 3 days for the interview and it was the same type of deal where where in his like one tape that he released where he had this weird red background behind him i guess he was th- he must yeah. have been told that that color helped helped his complexion or something and it was the most bizarre thing, and, and basically, these he was answering questions from the fans. So we had back in those days a eight hundred number that that fans could call up and leave messages. And, and quite frankly, we had a very hard time finding good questions for him. Um, but it, it, at that time, some it just felt wrong. It felt like the industry, specifically Sony, was just doing everything to protect this guy. And and his explanations of things, I remember in the interview we did with him, which was the first interview after the Diane Sawyer interview, he, he was saying stuff like, don't believe what you hear, just listen to me. I mean, it was like weird cult-like stuff. Um, and, yeah. you know, I mean uh, – just like where where don't listen to anything the, else those, but what I'm saying. Are, yeah, th- and those are the exact words that those kids were saying, like it, yeah. when they were being interviewed in the documentary. That that dialogue is absolutely dead on to what he's saying. Like, don't believe them. Just listen to me. You know, these people are ignorant. You know, all this other stuff. So it, it seems to fit consistently with the narrative of what you were being fed in that interview as well right. yeah and it, so. it was just it's just you know I, I finished watching leaving neverland last night so it's very fresh in my mind and it, it, it's like the, the big takeaway questions from me were you know there was this trial then in in what like 2003 i guess it was 2004 where where he he yeah. was brought in and there seemed like there was real credible evidence that he had abused this kid who uh he had like met through the like Make a Wish Foundation or something, and and he um, he basically was saved. Uh, this is spoiler alert, guys. But he was saved by the lies yeah, yeah. that were told by by people he actually abused. Uh, specifically, this one guy Wade, who's a big yeah. big part of the the documentary. So. It makes you wonder, like, what did happen to with Macaulay Culkin and Michael Jackson? Was there anything there? Because, I mean, that's a part of this. Uh, and did Macaulay lie in the stand like Wade did? Or was Michael different with Macaulay because he was famous and maybe there was uh, a little more hands-off? Um, the the thing that, 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 like, bothers me the most about it. I mean, you know, I'm a dad now and it's like, I, I, I felt like for years and years, I, I, I was like, well, maybe Michael is a pedophile. Maybe he has feelings for children and young boys, but you know, he never, he never was having sex with them. You know, maybe he was just like, you know, uh, you know, fantasizing over them and having them around him. I never, 
imagined that that it was this that he was this I like to think that yeah maybe he's a pedophile but but maybe you know he also isn't a real sexual being um but what comes across in this documentary is yes he was a pedophile but he was also a very sexually active uh man pursuing that desire and it's it's difficult now and I, listen i loved michael jackson i loved the thriller record you know i was a i was a metal kid a rock kid so when thriller came out you know i loved van halen's solo on beat it and you know but when when billy jean would come on friday night videos or whatever i would i taped the video and i would listen to it and it, i was kind of a little bit more in the closet with my love of michael jackson because that wouldn't have been cool talking to my Iron Maiden friends, but I did love Michael Jackson. And then when Bad came out, I was a little more open with my, my uh, and, and, and free with my musical tastes at that time. And I was working at a record store, Beaky's Music in, in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, and that came out. And I was blown away by that record and bought that record immediately. Um, and that, in some ways, believe it or not, the Bad record, and I know in retrospect, Thriller is a better record, but bad, just for me personally, I don't know, had more of a, a place in my my life emotionally. Uh, loved that record. Uh, so many great songs on it. Uh, of course, Steve Stevens on Dirty Diana, such great stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be hard now for me to, to listen to Michael Jackson um, again. And, I, you know, I even liked some of the rare underground cuts. I remember when I did work on that VH1 special on Michael Jackson, we, we featured a song called uh, Stranger in Moscow, which should have been a hit. I mean, it was, it was a, such a great song, but I think because his name was so down in the mud at that point, it, it, didn't, it wasn't able to really break through, although VH1 did play the, the video a, a number of times. Uh, yeah, so I don't yeah. know, man. Saw, I'm freaked out by it. I'm. Else. What's yeah. that? I, I say I saw that video more times on VH1 than anywhere else. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a good video with the like rain coming down and the song that I really liked. But I, I, man, I just I don't know. I don't know where I stand with it. I feel like after again, it's real fresh in my mind from watching it last night. But after watching it. Will I ever be able to really enjoy this guy's music again? Because I think he was an absolute monster. And like I said, I was I wasn't one of the guys that beforehand was like, "Oh, these kids were just after these families were just after his money." I never thought that. I thought there was an evil side and there was some creepiness going on there. But I just never realized to what extent it was at. And you watch the documentary, and obviously, you know. Michael was a destructive person and ripped this one family apart. Uh, and and the and the mothers, I feel, and the fathers, for that matter, um, the family, you know, they 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 were partly responsible too. You don't you don't let your kid go sleep in bed with a thirty-something-year-old man that you barely know. I mean, you know that that's absolutely mind-blowing to me. But you know, I, and I don't give yeah, them a pass the, the, at all. You know. Yeah, the the kid from California, his mom especially, like I wanted to shake her during some of her James, uh, parts in the documentary. Yeah, and she was just like, and then the room started getting further and further away from me. It's like, okay, well then take your kid off the road then. Like, 
Right. Like the kid is touring with Michael basically as, you know, under the guise of him being his best friend. He needs a best friend around and all this other stuff. And this is where he starts to go into. This is where we started to do things. Yeah. And, you know, initially the mom resisted having them sleep in the same room and she bought into the whole, he's a man child and everything's fine. And eventually she just let him because the kid wanted to stay in the room with him. And, and like when she starts doing that, uh, the rooms got more separate. And by the end of the tour, I wasn't even on the same floor with them. I mean, come on. And just, yeah, she's got to be held accountable for some of that. That's just yeah. awful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I can't help but think that, that, I mean, the fact, I don't know. I mean, the one, especially Wade's mother, <laughs> I think is completely nuts and very much responsible for what happened ultimately it's michael who was the the uh you know the person who's most responsible but still you know um she definitely holds a big responsibility uh for what happened to her son you got if you're a parent you protect your kids i mean you know that that's and and you recognize the dangers that exist out there so, you know, and I, I think the whole man-child thing, which he, he, he peddled that theme for years, and, and even the whole Neverland Ranch with the amusement park and the, the, the ponies and all this bullshit, it, it was all a ploy into his sexual desires. And, you know, yeah. it, it, it was all built so he could you know attract these young kids so it's it was it's just uh, it's just mind blowing and i and i think i i couldn't help but remember this this uh interview i'd seen with Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad uh fame uh, actor and he was on one yep. of the late night shows it was either Fallon or or Kimmel or one of those and he, this is years ago when Breaking Bad was on, I think. Um, and he said, you know, I, I, he shared this story about partying with Michael Jackson and like that. And the thing he laid out, like they were, they were drinking alcohol, they were hanging out, they were partying, you know, at some Arab Emirates or some, you know, royal family's place over in the Middle East. And, and he shared the story of Michael Jackson not really being the man-child, being this kind of like, yeah, guy, regular guy. They were having regular conversations. They were, you know, having beers together and, and talking. <laughs> and it was this totally different version of, of Michael Jackson, you know, in his story than the one that Michael had been, pub, you know, peddling publicly for, for decades. And it made, it made, I remember seeing, hearing that and, and at the time and, and saying, that's really, that's really interesting that there's this whole other side of Michael where he, he, you know, doesn't have toy train sets set up and he's, you know, not playing with Legos and stuff like that. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. And it, 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 I I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just, it was something that kind of popped up into my mind. And I I think the whole, you know, he's, he's a, he never had a childhood. He had a childhood. All that's fucking bullshit. He, he, he was peddling this, this narrative, this, Oh, feel so sorry for me. And I'm a boy trapped in a, a, a man's body. And even the whole Neverland, thing the peter pan thing i mean it was all a disgusting ploy to justify 
his sexual desire of young boys. I mean, and it's so and 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 we now know at least i know like i said and i'll i'll end here cuz i know i'm rambling but for years i believed well yeah he's probably a little creepy and evil and i wouldn't want you know my kid in the same room as him but his music was great and and he you know i don't think he ever did anything absolutely horrific um or at least you know i wasn't sure now i'm sure now I'm sure this man was a yeah. monster, a monster, and was yeah. not a boy child. He was a grown man with sexual desires for young boys. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I echo most of those sentiments for sure. Like initially when those first charges came through in the early 90s for me, I thought that maybe that man-child thing could be on the level. And it's like, oh, it's just sleepover stuff, you know, like truth or dare type stuff that you hear about or maybe you've even done before in the past. But still, at the end of the day, you know, this guy was in his mid to late 30s at that point. It's not right. Right. And, and yeah, I, gosh, I mean, you, you pretty much said it all, but, you know, I, I always, and you, and you talk about, well, at the, initially I was like, oh, you know, but I like his music. That always reminds me of the old Chris Rock joke where he's like, that's how much we love Michael. We let the first kid slide, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, totally. so, oh, yeah. And I, I, I always think about the, the celebrity factor, too. You, you brought up Macaulay Culkin. I thought about Corey Feldman, too, a guy who has admitted to being molested by, you know, big players. He won't name names still. But yeah, I, I think that he was probably a lot more careful with the with the famous kids if I had to speculate. Uh, but you know, I still think maybe something could have gone on. But because you know, that's the, the, the classic case of uh, the people who are abused defending the abuser. It, it's right. it also you can tie that into domestic violence too. You know, who defends the wife beater the most? The wife usually. Right. Yeah. So it's that that's why that court thing doesn't hold water with me. And the, the, you know, come to this public knowledge that these guys did not take, uh, did not make any money off this documentary. Yes. They tried to sue uh, in court again recently. It's been thrown out because of the statute of limitations. I just don't see what any of these guys have to gain. They're not going to be famous at this point. You know, they're too far, you know, there's too much stigma there. Right. So, I just uh, – that's the other thing. I just don't think they have anything to gain. I, I think that – I think the kid from California, I think his parents were kind of show business parents for sure. They got yeah. uh, you know, seduced by the whole lifestyle. Uh, you know, <laughs> My heart breaks for that kid because like while all this is going on with Michael, his parents are divorcing behind his back and they don't even know that. He, he doesn't know that either. It's like yeah. mm-hmm. oh, I just felt so bad for that kid, man. And. Uh, this this kind of leads into the other thing I wanted to ask you about when it comes to this topic. You know, the the articles that are now coming out post-documentary is that some radio stations, and the narrative is, is called silencing. They're starting to silence right. Michael's music on their radio stations. Not banning, because, you know, we don't ban in this country, right? So, because that, you know. So that, that does get into a slippery slope, like, you know, Radio stations not playing a band's music. I don't really, you know, it doesn't shake me at all because there's so many acts that they just don't play anyway. Yeah. So, but, but, but the whole thing is like, okay, certain radio stations will miss him if you don't play him anymore in that sense. Uh, I'm, you know, there's, there's resistance from certain, you know, radio stations, fan bases. 
still claiming that these charges, there's nothing founded at all here. And that we should continue to celebrate his music. There are some people that say separate the art from the artist. We've heard that for decades now, you know, when it comes to people like Gary Glitter or, hey, man, not for nothing, but Steven Tyler, Ted Nugent, you know, you've heard those stories. Um, so, but and obviously there's different, different levels here when it comes to the age of the kid, I guess. I, I, I could see that. And that's definitely something that courts decide. But yeah, I mean, there's all these things and we've looked the other way with a lot of people, you know, there's even Hollywood directors that have had multiple, uh, you know, accusations and they still work. Woody Allen still works to this day. You know, I was secretly actually hoping for a Woody Allen documentary on HBO. I don't think I'll ever get one, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, uh, that's my only joke really. But yeah, what do you think about the radio station narrative? And do, as you do, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm going with it's their prerogative. They can play what they want. If they lose ratings and advertisers, that's on them. But uh, do you think that there should be just an out-and-out, cross-the-board thing on them or what? Well, I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm more of a let, let the public market, you know, determine what happens. I, I'm always uh, against, you know, let's let's ban this this style of music or silence this style of music um however if i were running a, a programming a radio station i think i would i would i would have to pull the guy's music off uh my radio station's playlist and the next time i'm driving around in the car and one of his songs come on Quite frankly, I I don't know if I'm going to ever be able to enjoy those songs like I used to. Part of me is going to want to just change this, the the channel. That's how heavy this documentary was and how convincing this this was. And listen, he was a brilliant. Uh, and there's a flip side of it that's like, well, you could say, well, he's a brilliant artist, even though he was a monster in his personal life, and we sh- still should be able to uh, enjoy his music however i i i don't i don't have uh it's going to be a while before i'm in that place and to think that you know when his songs get played on the radio that you know let's let's the guy's dead but somehow his his name is making money off of it i i don't know it just it's something about it seems very wrong to me so again yeah i'm i'm thinking through it i guess as i'm talking to you joey but i i, I would yeah. say there, it, we shouldn't ban anything but the smart thing to do as a consumer would be not to buy this man's music not to not to listen to it uh anymore um because i think the 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 public needs to be the one that sends a message that hey we we don't we don't want this um so i don't know that's kind of where i'm at at this point but yeah yeah, and and also like you know because I've been dealing with that since really the the early two thousand trial as far as like I haven't really actively pursued him since then because I just knew I just kept thinking the where there's smoke there's fire right and at that at that point I just limited myself to seventies uh, the Jackson stuff because I was never a big Jackson five fan but I really liked the seventies records yeah where the they where they dropped the stuff, five Sony. and they became the Jacksons right. Yeah, those Sony records are damn good, I gotta say. Um, so, and then, you know, we've got all the other brothers on there, and it seems to kind of soothe that other side that 
makes me keep thinking of Michael. And you can almost make the case it's not even the same Michael at that point because right. he's barely an, he's barely an adult, you know. So, and I think that's another reason why people still enjoy a Jackson Five stuff. It's like, oh, he's still a little kid then. Right. He's not yeah. that. He's not that. He's not that monster yet, you know. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, it's it's tough. I don't, I'm not even pursuing that stuff anymore, which is a shame because I like those records a lot too. I love, you know, this place hotel and walk right now. There's some really cool gems out there that people, well, they might never hear at this point. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a damn shame. But at the same time, there's so much music out there. I I, I had a great idea for the family to spin this, but I guess that by doing what my idea would be, they would be admitting guilt. On Michael, because yeah, of course well, they're, on their, they're on their uh, tour of like he didn't do it, of course, you know, damage control. But I, I think it would be kind of neat to take the original master tapes from like Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad, find some top shelf people that we could all agree on to cover these songs, and all the proceeds go to, you know, children abuse centers and things like that, you know. I think that would be a great way to do it, but you'd pretty much have to get the family's permission to do that. So it'll never happen. But that was, that was my brilliant idea. Yeah. Free idea still for anybody who wants to do it. <laughs> right. Right. It would be so. tough because like you said, then the families, it, it, there's an admission of guilt there. And, uh, yeah. then also a lot of artists aren't going to want to touch, touch that, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, the, man, the public it, are, the public I, are reacting. The public are reacting. I actually know, a lady who does, you know, just cover shows, you know, right. concerts where they just do other people's soul shows. And they've been doing Michael songs over the years. And he goes, people are now over the last year or two starting to come up and be like, really love your stuff. Can you can maybe not so much sing those songs anymore? She's actually starting to hear right. that now. Wow. So, yeah, it could be on its way. Wow. Well, <clears throat> you know, what are we? Ten years after Michael Jackson's, almost ten years after Michael Jackson's death, physical yeah. death, we may actually be now experiencing the death of his body of work. Like, uh, you know, of of the legacy of Michael Jackson um, may fade a lot quicker than it would have if uh, if this stuff wasn't all coming to light, um, because. Sony's damage control, the family's damage control back in those days was somewhat successful. But I do feel like now that he's gone, especially, it's going to be even harder for them to salvage what's left of of the legacy at this point. I think it's over. I think think this is is a done deal. And the history books will reflect this uh, man as being um, a pedophile. Yeah. And there's two real big points I want to bring up before we get off this topic and for the episode. Uh, number one, we brought the Sony thing and their attempt to salvage this whole thing in the nineties. I didn't realize that was happening. Of course, it makes sense now that you say it, but yeah, this is they they tried to save him. And this is the same company that Michael was basically just he went into the press in the early 2000s when the second charges came out. Right. And said said that Sony was the worst and Tommy Mottola was the devil. Right. And you know, they've done nothing but sabotage me and they're being racist towards me. He plays the race card for the first time in his life, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um pretty much. So that makes me think that when the second charges came down, that's a big telltale for me 
they just obviously decided not to back him because that's why he went nuclear on him. Right. I mean, that would have to be it, right? Yeah, so, I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he, he was just blaming everyone. And, and I think his mental state was like, yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's just yeah. complete but, mental breakdown. Yeah, but that makes me think because of Sony not backing him the second time around. I think they knew something, too, because it would still, of course, be in their interest to protect him if, you know, absolutely could and and if they wanted to. But obviously, you work closely enough with some people and, you know, some people come out later and go, you know, yeah, I saw this and I saw that. It just it was weird. So that that's another thing that makes me think that there is definitely something there. And at the end of the day, this also needs to be said is that. I don't want any of this to be true because if it is true, then bad things happen to kids that didn't deserve it. At the end of the day, nobody wants that. That's the main thing I also wanted to say. Right. And all I can say, you know, I don't know who is behind defending, you know, and, and, and basically forcing VH1 and all these radio stations to go real heavy on Michael Jackson when the first charges were, were being, thrown out in the press. I don't know if that was Tommy Mottola. I don't know who it was. All I could say is in their defense that Michael was a very convincing character. And and if he had you on the phone and was able to talk to you on the phone or, or, or even in person, if you were, let's say, a Tommy Mottola type person, he may, in, in their defense, in Tommy Mottola's defense, assuming it was it was him, they may actually be able to uh, – they, they may – Michael may be able to convince them that, hey, I did nothing wrong. And that yeah. in combination with the fact that, listen, this guy's a, a, you know, a big, big moneymaker for us. We can't let this die. Uh, you know, I'm just playing yeah. devil's advocate and saying that it may sure. have not been – it's very possible Sony was absolutely aware that he was a, a monster and they still went ahead and tried to – you know, save his career at that point, but it's also possible that 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 maybe they didn't believe it. Maybe they didn't want to believe it, as you said. You know, and, yeah. and they fought back on it because they they believed that it wasn't true. So who who knows? We'll never know. Yeah, obviously, ninety eight percent of the rest of the Sony roster would not have been safe from those charges they would have just been dropped by their label very true and disgraced and of course yeah of course yeah (sighs) all right well not the greatest uh most pleasant uh subject matter but um it did seem like it was something we needed to talk about because everyone's talking about this and uh if you haven't seen the never you know leaving neverland documentary it it's a long watch. Uh, I do. I do encourage you to watch it for yourself and form your own opinions. I did hear that Oprah had interviewed some of the the people that were in this documentary, and she gave them some really tough questions um, that yeah. that that maybe put a slightly different light on things. I have not seen those interviews, but I, I'm, I'm now that I've finished the documentary, I'm curious to track those down and, and watch those if, if they exist. Somebody told me that. I don't even know if it's true, but I, I heard that. So who knows? All right. Yeah. Hey, Oprah not throwing softballs in her post-corporate career. 
Right. You've got to love that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that used to be the person you'd want to go to, like like a Barbara, like a, you know, Diane Sawyer or something like. And then her and Gail with the R. Kelly thing. I don't want to get into that, but I mean, come on, like, these are people that are supposed to be throwing you softballs and now they're making headlines with their hard-hitting questions. Right. Yeah, actually, I just Googled <laughs> that and Oprah interviews Michael Accusers. Uh, I, I, wow, this I, this was just posted. Like, I, this must have just happened because I, these videos I'm, I'm looking at were like, you know, they're like two days, three days old. Yeah. So uh, I, I think, think there's I'm almost like this. a whole other feature-length uh, documentary from what I hear. I think someone said there's something called After Neverland and there's like a whole big follow-up on oh, really? top of that okay. so there's still there's so much stuff to digest now it's like yeah. oh man so yeah i mean uh it's uh it's it's fascinating i'll give them that yeah absolutely all right man well let's leave it there for today's episode we'll be back real soon to talk about the rock and roll hall of fame and uh joey is on the rock strikes 10 podcast so be sure to check that out. By the way, I saw I saw Cheap Trick recently. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I was jealous, man. You and Lon Friend and yeah. uh, out there seeing Cheap Trick and man, like in an intimate setting. I haven't seen him in an intimate setting in a long time. And uh, man, yeah, I was just I was watching your stuff the whole night. That was oh, cool. that was killer stuff. So yeah, that was, that yeah. was a fun night. And uh, so be sure to check out your podcast and of, of course visit cnjradio.com, Right. Yes, for this show and all the other great shows on cnjradio.com. Cool. Uh, and you guys yeah. can find and, uh, me and, on, on talkingrock.net. Yeah, and uh, throw something to Mark on his Patreon or buy a, a shirt from him. Yeah. We, we, you, both have shirt, we both have shirts to sell, but uh, uh, buy his shirt first and then maybe <laughs> mine nice. later. And yeah. uh, um, I actually have, uh, believe it or not, I think I have a decent tie-in here for a song to end on for this yeah, episode. Uh, well, one of my favorite songs from that era that I said that I really liked, the 70s Jackson's era, uh, a couple of years ago, Living Color covered This Place Hotel, a.k.a. Heartbreak Hotel, Oh, okay. Uh, you know, for, for an EP. So I figured maybe in decent taste, we can go ahead and uh, end with that. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, man. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh
Every girl that I knew 